0: Hi there and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser and every week I will speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. Hi there, and welcome back again to this week's episode. If you're new to the show, then please take a second to subscribe and even consider sharing this show with just one other person. This week, I am joined by Heather Killow. Heather is an incredible global commercial leader. Heather, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Sure. Thanks, Michelle. Good morning. I am the Senior
1: Vice President for DTN, Data Transmission Network, and I Do My work that I do do there is leading our global organization to drive solutions for the downstream energy industry uh, globally, and I lead our commercial organization. I interact daily with our product organization, and I spend a lot of time with customers understanding their business pains and problems so that I can go back into our lab and
0: help our teams build solutions to make their lives easier. Sounds amazing. Sounds an amazing job, actually. So how did you get started in the energy sector? A long time ago, I was working
1: in very upstream for a company that did procurement on offshore projects. And I was initially assigned the North Sea. And so my job was to Source and find. Usually, it could be valves. It might be pipe fittings for different sorts of drilling offshore, and even sometimes very basic things that they would turn turn out to need on um, on a platform out in the North Sea. So sometimes something as simple as maybe a set of new wrenches or toilet paper. And so, I grew in that company and stayed there for several years and got the opportunity to work for projects that were Venezuela-based, and I did quite a bit of work at that time in the Netherlands and also Pacific Rim. And as I was learning the upstream, it became very evident that there were going to be opportunities to do all sorts of things in the upstream, midstream, downstream. And being based in Houston, I decided I wanted to do something a little bit different because my husband and I were both very close in the same industry and i switched to technology and i went to work for a company that was specializing in very high volume turnover jobs and they had assessments that the applicant would take and then and based on how the applicant scored it would give you a structured interview to help the manager understand the attitude and personality of the applicant a little bit better and make a better hiring decision and so I then went into technology thinking I was getting away from energy. And once I started in a technology company, they immediately said, oh, my gosh, the experience that you have from working in oil and gas would be perfect. We would like to have you start up our oil and gas division for our hiring assessments. And so I was only out of energy for maybe 90 days. And then I found my way over to a technology-based solution and ended up spending the rest of my career in energy-based technology and data.
0: Okay, so do you enjoy it then, what you're doing
1: just now? Definitely. The best part about it is I get to interact with my customers sort of shoulder-to-shoulder, arm in arm and we we can collaborate as though we are partners, talk about their business problems, and then I can go away and talk to my people in my company and we can We can build solutions that make life easier, take the friction out of some of their business pain points.
0: No, that sounds amazing. So who was your role model and why did you find them inspirational? That's
1: a great question. I have been blessed to work with a few people uh, professionally that have really made an impact on me. I would say one of the very first ones was a gentleman by the name of Mel Kleiman. He owned the company that I went to work for when I was leaving energy briefly to come back to energy. He was the one who said, ah, we should we should do this uh this hiring thing. We should do it in the oil and gas space. And he was inspiring for a number of reasons. He was a very energetic, older man, and but he really he really showed you that having some age under your belt didn't mean it had to slow you down. He was very, very enthusiastic and energetic. And he taught me a lot of things about communication and how to talk about things in a way that conveys passion. And he also taught me a few things about Speech just to make make your speech cleaner and have the way that you communicate come across in a very crisp way, but he's he's definitely one of the ones I think of on a on a daily basis very special man. You
0: no, know, he says uh, he says amazing, and I think communication is quite key in everything that we do nowadays as well. No kidding, yeah. What is the most challenging thing about your current role, and how do you handle it? I think it's something
1: everyone. Everyone deals with, whether it's at work, whether it's in your home life, um, studying or being a parent. It's that there is not enough time or resource to chase everything that you really are passionate about. And it's so it turns it out to be about making choices. I think that is definitely the most challenging thing. Anyone deals with as a professional and, you know, as I said, too, as a parent or even, you know, going through your schooling, it's you're, you're always having to make the choice of, OK, do we want to go develop this product for this set of customers and solve this problem? Or is this one over here a better idea? Would it make more impact? And I think it's it's finding those answers and and having a, the crystal ball that shows you well, if I do this, there will be extra benefits on the other side. If I walk down this path, I will end up with what are the other things on the other side of that decision? And it's weighing that and trying to, you know, just try to make the most informed decision. I would say that is the ongoing challenge.
0: Okay. Yes, it is. I think that would be an ongoing challenge for everybody as well.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Unfortunately, yes. So do you have any tips on how to, yeah, how to overcome Overcome your ch- these challenges. how you do what do you use?
1: You know, some of the things that I do are very old school, and they have served me well. I've adapted some of my methods, but probably one of the most useful things I do is I take notes. And for me, just the action of taking notes, first, it lends importance to the subject if i if i take the time to put some notes down whether i'm typing them or using you know a pen and paper once i've recorded it 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 gives the the idea weight it makes it real and i think that alone helps when you are trying to prioritize things and also sometimes helps you understand them better because you had to put them into words Therefore, you know, you had to describe it in some way. And so I, I think that taking notes, even if you don't keep the notes, I do find that I'll I will have written things down from weeks ago and I look at it and I go, you know what? I don't need to keep that. i'm I'm done thinking about that. And then some things I do keep for quite a long time. But I think writing things down is very important. And then the other thing I think is is really critical is having a, doesn't really matter what kind of job you're doing, whether you're coding or if you are, you know, running a sales organization or senior leadership in a company, having a cabinet of people that bring different perspectives to, to you that are unlike your own. So surrounding yourself with people that, you know, maybe you admire something about them. They are always calm, always well spoken you know, they they tend to think about things in a different way, always bring a new perspective. Surrounding yourself with people who can help you think through things in new ways or walk you down a path that may not be the one your brain would go on, I think is really helpful. It, it teaches us to think about things in another way. You've learned from them, how they thought about it. And then you also can become a better cabinet member. So I, I think those two things for me are are probably my two tips and tricks for had the opportunity to do some of the things in my life. It's It's been important for me both to be able to take the notes and prioritize things based on that and also surround myself with people who have really good minds.
0: It's an amazing answer. That's going to be a benefit. A lot of people, I would think so as well. Did you have any mentors during your career? And what was the most important thing that they taught you?
1: (laughs) I had a mentor very early in my career. It was um, the first job that I had when I was doing the exploration and production work. And I came into the office as I was office help. And so they hired me to be the receptionist and help with filing and some things. And it was an office me, one other female, and then um all of the all the salespeople in the office were all men about the same age um and you know, just very simple, nice group of guys, simple needs, you know, they were never having me rush out and get their dry cleaning or anything. They were all very, you know respectful. And the lady that I worked with was so she was so professional. she dressed in a very professional way. she was just the the epitome of the immaculate office manager type person and she taught me so much about professionalism how to dress very simple things that i learned actually from the man who owned the company he said never go anywhere without a blazer you always have to have a sport coat or a blazer with you which is a rule i still live by today even if i'm going on vacation but she she mentored me well, and taught me quite a bit about how it, every interaction that you have with people works. You leave an impression, so you might as well make it work for you. and yeah, she was she was just a just a very professional lady and didn't mind coaching anyone who was w- looking to make themselves better, more professional. It was kind of like, It was almost like having an MBA in how to behave in corporate America. It was just it was a really good time and I worked with her for three years.
0: No, she sounds amazing. Yeah. She was. How does your current role compare to your
1: aspirations as a young girl? That's a funny one. When I was a young girl, I wanted to be a weather meteorologist. I wanted to be on the news to tell the weather. And I have found myself working in a company now where one third of our revenue and a lot of people, people wise, greater than a third of our personnel are employed providing commercial grade weather. We have a weather division. And so that incorporates things like weather events where people are going to be outside at a concert or at the PGA golf tournament or anything where weather could impact human safety, we advise on that. So we advise on for airlines, aviation, airports, um, shipping lanes for major cargo ships and so forth. So, you know, I think everyone jokes a little bit and says that they are kind of an armchair weatherman. And that really, you know, turned out to be true for me because now I really do have access to all the best weather in the world and I can forecast the weather with some accuracy so Uh, that's a (laughs) that's a fun part of my story I suppose
0: no that's an amazing skill to predict the weather
1: (laughs) well I use my I use all the resources available to me we have 170 meteorologists on staff
0: oh okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's handy as well. That's really handy. So is there anything you still want to achieve in your career? Definitely.
1: I There are, there are a few things, actually. I
0: am very
1: interested in, in growing our business more globally. We already are a global company, but so many of the things that we do with particular interest in renewable energy. And also we have a very big, our two other divisions, are our energy division, and then we have an agribusiness, which is all all things supporting agriculture. And in working on projects where a lot of times we are dealing with either legislation that has been brought forth by the government in order to preserve natural resources or in you know, in some cases, try to curb certain types of behaviors, um, like with you know, refining of petroleum products. And we have our at DTN, we have the ability to you know, really streamline a lot of those processes and help companies who are seeking to. You know, help farmers grow more sustainably in their fields and keep track of crop rotations and soil moisture and soil health. And on the energy side, how you blend a higher level of corn ethanol into gasoline without damaging an engine or any of the equipment that it takes to pump the gasoline. And for us, those are really critical things that if they can happen faster, It means that the damage done is less. And that's where I find my passion taking me is, you know, where can we go into these processes and administer technology, help with decision making and, and an AI sort of thought path where if this happens, then this result, that workflow will automate, I think is The really exciting part—it's what's coming next, and it's—it's what I'm looking forward to for the
0: next chapter of my. Excellent. No, that sounds exciting. Do you have any steps? Have you got like a plan or anything? How you're going to achieve that? Well, we
1: do actually, and a lot of that comes from you know I was talking earlier about surrounding yourself with people who think differently than you do, and because so much of what we have is. It's thought leadership that is gained through talking to our clients, working through business problems with them, understanding how they may have to deal with legislation or other you know, new behaviors that will come about because we need to be more, more respectful of natural resources. Having others in my organization who can take it from a concept to an actual solution, the people who you know, are my developers, and they they manage and oversee a project from when something becomes the idea to solve a problem, all the way through to a product that is on the shelf that we can go offer to our group of clients. And so, yes, that's the type of the type of planning that we do is is we'll go out and we identify a problem, we'll kind of validate that the problem isn't just with one person. And then from there, the product organization takes it, begins to draw it up. We keep it in lab for a while. They develop it. Engineers work on it. And then it comes out and goes to QA. And within weeks or months, it could be solving the problem that was only conceptual at Christmas.
0: Okay. That's quite a quick turnaround.
1: Many of them take longer, depending on how complex the, the problem and the solution are.
0: Okay. Thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting, actually. So if you were going to hire someone, in your opinion, what would make an outstanding hire? People who are open-minded
1: and like to challenge thinking. So much of what we do is changing people's behavior. And that starts with changing their thinking. So you have to have someone who approaches that opportunity with kind of a passion for wanting to help help a person see a, a new better way to do something and be very passionate about stewarding that process. And so to me, I think it's, you know, you've got to be open-minded and not rigid in your own thinking, or it it won't be a collaborative sales events. And so I, I think that that is very important. I also think people who are, are really good critical thinkers, um, because sometimes, you know, you can you can lay a problem out and think of a solution pretty quickly, but there's always more than one solution. And so to be able to think critically through an array of those and kind of pick the best two or three I think a lot of times shortens the process, not having to go, you know, investigate all 10. And I also think that that type of thinking brings you to a a better resolution, a richer solution when you have thought through, you know, pretty critically um, what the other viable possibilities are.
0: Okay. No, thank you. That's excellent advice. Have you ever encountered any career disasters and how have you handled them? (laughs) Wow. Career disasters. I,
1: you know, I've had, um, I I have some funny stories. I don't know if I would classify them as disasters, but I have had, uh, you know, just some funny things happen along the way. One of the best ones is I was actually talking about an, an applicant a moment ago, and I was interviewing for a role that we had open on our sales team. And Young man comes into the office and we were in the throes of putting together a very large RFP. And this was a while back. And so we didn't put things on memory sticks yet at the time. We were still, you know, printing it up and page 13 and, you know, had to have all the it went in a binder. And so we're all working around this table kind of behind the administrative area. And when this young man comes to check in, he says, Oh, well, I'm here. I'm applying for the such and such job. And the lady at the desk says, Okay, I'll go get uh, Heather for you and puts him in the conference room, gets him a glass of water and so forth. And so I get into the conference room with him and we start talking and I begin the interview. And I'm known for being a very tough interviewer. And so I'm asking him some pretty difficult questions. And I said at one point, How do you think this interview is going? And he sat there for a minute and he said, well, I guess I'm just really anxious to meet the person that I'm actually going to work for. And I said, oh, who do you think that person is? And he said, well, I don't know. But I mean, I saw you over there putting together the binders. And so I didn't think it was you. And I had to chuckle and say, oh, well, we're in the process of putting together big RFP and it's all hands on deck. So, yes, you you would be uh, reporting to me. And how do you how do you feel about that? Is that something you think you'd be able to to do? And he was so embarrassed and flustered that he he wanted to stop the interview and leave because he was so upset over the remark that he had made. And so, for him I think that was pretty disastrous, but it ended up he became one of the best employees we had. He was an excellent salesman. Ended up being a guy that I could really count on to help train other people. He really understood our products well, so i I felt I felt really good about that hire. And I also thought it was it was good of him to allow the situation to resolve and not walk away.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, did you end up hiring him? But you yeah. just <laughs> clarified that you did. <laughs>
1: I did. Yeah, we worked together probably four or five years and then he he got married. So he wanted to go live in Colorado and we didn't have an office in Colorado
0: at the time. Okay, that's amazing. So what is the most difficult interview question that you've, answered, you've asked anybody?
1: I do ask people part of the way through the interview on a scale of one to 10, how do you think this interview is going? Okay. And then they tell me and I say, well, then what would it take to make it a 10? And we talk about that because I want people to have a chance to really put their best foot forward and feel like why, you know, there's a question that I would be really good at answering. I hope she asks it. The other one that I ask is when you're walking out to your car, you're you're going to call somebody when you get in the car. Who is that somebody? And what will you say? How will you say this interview went?
0: Okay. why? Wow. I've never been asked them two questions and I've taken a lot of interviews over the <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, you know, there's another one that I'd like to ask also, which is what book are you reading and why, you know, are you reading it for enjoyment? Is it something that was assigned through school? I, I like to understand not so much about what they're reading, but if reading is a way that they gather information or a way that they relax or I like understanding that too. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. That would be useful information, actually, to know how to gather information as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your zone of genius? What are you most excellent at? Using the English language,
1: usually in writing, I think it is important to have the right word selection in order to convey your thoughts as perfectly as possible. And I think written communication is particularly important because it lasts. People can go back to it and read it and reread it the same way that you would read your favorite novel. And because it is an archive, it deserves to be treated very, treated in a way that gets the point across in as close to a perfect manner as possible.
0: Okay, that's interesting. What does your average week look like?
1: Oh, goodness. I do a lot of different things on any given day. So, so usually the there is quite a lot of working, reading through emails, staying up to speed on all the different balls that are in the air for me professionally. I start my morning that way. I read for 30 or 45 minutes before I even have coffee or anything else. And then, you know, usually by 8 o'clock, I'm I'm on calls for the majority of my day. Usually more than four hours will be spent on calls either with clients or internally working on some sort of client-facing project. On the rare occasion, I might go out to lunch with my husband And then I come back and I do more of what I did in the morning. I do love to cook. So I cook dinner almost every night for us. We take our dog on a walk. And then if I, and and if I'm traveling, it's, I travel almost every week. So if I'm traveling, it's a lot of the same stuff. I'm just doing it in a hotel room instead of at my house.
0: Okay. There's a lot of work. I think it would be a lot of work. (laughs) what keeps you motivated when things get tough the knowledge the
1: passion that the the solutions are possible that it is a it's a puzzle that must be solved and when I solve it that's a win I don't believe there are lost causes
0: no, I don't either. I think everything's so you can get a solution for most things yes and technical So what type of work would you always delegate?
1: Oh good question I really don't like mundane math I I I am a person who likes things to be automated so I don't like doing expense reports <laughs> I, it, you know it's that type of. You don't get a lot of satisfaction from you know just putting numbers into a spreadsheet that doesn't doesn't have external meaning. Um, so, oftentimes that's the type of thing I would try to delegate. Is you know if this is an internal spreadsheet needs to be populated with some numbers and so forth, I'm looking for people to do that. I will never delegate writing. We have um, some writers on staff and. Uh, I shouldn't say this but they don't like working with me because I generally I don't find that other people can write in my voice very easily. Um so I don't delegate writing ever. But yeah, it's it's mostly the types of tasks that are are data entry type stuff that I think you can get a quality result
0: and not 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 need to do it yourself. Okay. Excellent excellent advice. Who do you depend on the most?
1: Well, the first answer that came to mind was myself. In my work role, I have, he's a gentleman I call my partner. We have worked together at two different companies, and I very much respect his thinking. He is one of the people that I was talking about earlier that really thinks about things very often in a different way than I do. And I very much respect. Any opinion he has will be a sound one. I always can trust his perspective on things, and he's he's very intelligent. And so, he's probably my my number one, besides myself, person that I you know I can always trust to give me good advice, especially about the business. I and mean, he's as attached and passionate about our business as I am. So it's a good match.
0: No, it's, he sounds like a good match. He does. It's very important to be passionate about what you are doing as well. Yes, and we both are. Now that sounds amazing. So last question. If you could turn back time, would you change anything? Would have had such
1: an extraordinary career. The one thing I wish I would have understood earlier, I think um, when people are new in jobs, they want to appear competent and they want to do a good job and be recognized for their work and for learning what they needed to learn in order to become not new at the job, right? And one of the gentlemen that I worked for, I mentioned him earlier, his name's Mel Lyman. He taught me this and I teach it to every young person that comes on our team's you're only going to have the opportunity to be brand new once. And I didn't know that early enough. But if you know it, you can take so much advantage of other people's kindness and willing to want to teach and help you instead of, you know, kind of living in your own, gosh, you know, there's so much I don't know. You know, I'm going to take these books home and study. I'm going to when asking for help, asking people, hey, how did you do this? Or, you know, when was it in your career that you started wondering about? Or did you get your MBA? Or have those conversations with the people around you. And don't be embarrassed or ashamed that you're new. Because when you're at the point in my career that I am, people expect me to have all the answers. And I I'd, I, wish that I had spent more of my time... Learning directly other people's experiences and what they were willing to teach me instead of silently trying to learn it on my own.
0: That's really good advice. I think you should take about maybe the first six months to really learn and learn off of everybody and to to go around everybody in your in your department and try and learn as much as you can from them. Because later on down the line, they might expect you to come up with solutions quite quickly because you've been there longer. Exactly. No, thank you. That's really good advice. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you for listening and see you next week. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd like to gently encourage you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with another person. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or via my website, www.michellefraserconsultancy.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.